This is Finding Center, a daily half hour of spiritual focus. Today on Finding Center, the theme is courage. Donald L. Staley, member of the Second Quorum of the Seventy of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints when this devotional was given, will give his remarks entitled, Be Strong and of a Good Courage. Interestingly, it was about 50 years ago, in fact, this very week, that we graduated from the University of Illinois with our Ph.D. I say we because Sister Staley earned her share of that degree as she worked to help pay the rent and the food bills during our three years of graduate school. Over the ensuing 40 years, we have lived in the suburban areas of Chicago and New York City where we worked and raised our family. We were blessed with a rewarding career as we traveled the world of business. We were blessed with opportunities for service in the Church, as well as organizations in various parts of the world. For the past nine-plus years, I have served as a member of the Quorum of the Seventy, and that, too, has been a special experience and blessing. Now, the Lord's hand has truly been in our lives, and But with each of these blessings have come tests and challenges, just as most of you periodically experience, and as you will continue to do so in the years ahead. This is a special time in your life when choices are made and patterns and habits are formed that will have a major impact on who you are and who you will become. Your enrollment here at BYU is a significant step in preparing you for that future. In addition to your educational pursuits of your future, happiness, personnel, Righteousness and relationships with the Lord will depend in large part on the habits you embrace and the choices and commitments you make over these next few years. As I think about your preparation for the next steps in your life, ponder with me for a moment how the Lord transferred responsibility from Moses to Joshua. He gave Joshua an extraordinary promise followed by some strong counsel. Listen just for a few excerpts of what the Lord had to say. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. After reminding Joshua on the importance of obedience, the Lord promises, For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. A great promise. And then for the third time the Lord repeated in the ninth verse, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. The Lord's message to Joshua, I will not fail thee. I will not forsake thee, has been repeated through the ages in the scriptures and throughout the prophets of the Restoration. It applies to each of us today, conditioned, of course, upon our obedience to his commandments and the covenants we make in the temples. Some of you know exactly what you want to do with your life. Others are still pondering and discovering opportunities for the future. In either case, it is essential to your future success and happiness that you keep your minds and your hearts open to the promptings of the Spirit. As you live to be worthy of those spiritual promptings, the Lord has promised He will be with you. Joshua later made clear to his people his own choice when he said, Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. A philosopher once gave 
good added counsel regarding choices. He said, Choose well. Your choice is brief and yet endless. As you acknowledge that the Lord will not fail you as long as you are obedient to His teachings, then I would ask you, are you happy with the present conduct of your life? What changes or course corrections would you make in order to take full advantage of your daily opportunities for learning and personal and spiritual growth? Now is the time to set the course for what you want to become, five, ten, or even fifty years from now. Now, during our few minutes together today, I would be my prayer that something might be said or felt by you that will help you crystallize your thoughts as to who you are and what you have the potential to become. It has been said that one of the greatest tragedies of our time is that so many people live so far below their potential. President Spencer W. Kimball continually encouraged us to lengthen our stride and to enlarge our vision. President Hinckley is counseled, do your best. And then he frequently adds, but I want to emphasize that it be your very best. We are too prone to be satisfied with mediocre performance. We are capable of doing much better. The late Elder Neil A. Maxwell said it another way, The Lord loves each of us too much to merely let us go on being what we now are, for He knows what we have the possibility to become. Implicit in the statements from each of these distinguished leaders is the message that each of us can and should do more to meet the Lord's expectations of us. Let's talk about a few principles that are essential for success and happiness as you develop your careers your families, and service to the Lord. As you further refine your plans for the future, we will not only find success in a temporal sense, but you will be moving toward achieving a relationship with your Father in Heaven and Savior that prepares you for an eternal relationship in the celestial kingdom. First and foremost in your pursuit is the development and nurturing of a strong personal testimony. I assume that each of you have a basic testimony of the gospel, yet I am sure some of you struggle periodically. Many are strong as you have returned from missions or have focused on prayer and study that have brought you to an undeniable testimony of the truth. Presumably, that was a major factor in motivating you to come to BYU. Hopefully, you feel that your testimony is vibrant and growing stronger each day. Yet, even though you are in a special environment here at BYU, I would suspect that many of you are being challenged by the things of the world with which you periodically deal. I am referring to the daily bombardment of worldly messages and enticements from the media of TV, movies, and the Internet that tend to tempt or distract you from keeping your testimony strong and staying completely true to gospel principles and covenants. Certain kinds of peer pressures can also be challenging. You know about those. Let me tell you about a young friend I met while I was serving as president of a stake that included West Point Academy in the state of New York. He was a bright student at the academy. He had been given leave of absence from West Point to serve a mission and was readmitted on completion of his mission, not a common occurrence. On one of my visits to West Point Branch, he requested some time to talk. As we talked, he told me of how he had deepened his conversion to the gospel as he had served his mission. He remembered the feelings and the strength of his testimony as he returned to West Point following his mission. And then he said, In the two years since my mission, I have gradually felt the Spirit slip away from me. 
Every day I'm associating with other cadets with different values. Their whole focus in life is successfully graduating from the academy. Periodically, the honor code is compromised. Nearly every weekend is party time, alcohol, and young women. I'm hazed and ridiculed because I have refused to join with them. President Staley, he said, I need help. I feel like I'm being tossed to and fro on the seas of life, and I've lost my mooring. My gospel anchor of the past seems to be giving way to the life of fun and pleasures enjoyed by my colleagues at the Academy. As we talked, it became clear that the magnet of the adversary was gradually but surely drawing him into Satan's grasp. My young friend had lost his mooring, not because Satan's magnet had become stronger, but because he had not been nurturing and tending to his testimony. He was in the process of losing that which he had previously so deeply cherished. I realize you are in a very different environment here at BYU, and yet I relate this experience because even here at BYU, you are not immune to the adversary's many magnets that look attractive on the surface and may appear harmless only because you feel you can resist. Just claiming to know the gospel is true is not always enough. My young friend at West Point knew. He developed a testimony, but it slipped away from him because he'd failed to nourish it. As he had begun to respond to and engage in the activities of his peer, he gradually lost the promptings of the Spirit. I cannot think of a greater loss to anyone than the withdrawal of the promptings of the Spirit. Our testimonies grow through faith and prayer, scripture study, and obedience to the commandments. The daily exercise and the nurturing of these principles is key to a strong and resilient testimony and commitment to those gospel principles. Let me comment on each of these principles. President Gordon B. Hinckley speaks often about our need for faith. I had the privilege of returning with President Hinckley from Nauvoo on the plane following the cornerstone ceremony at the Nauvoo Temple. As we flew over the rich farmland in Iowa, I was commenting on the unbelievable faith and commitment of those early saints. I was musing that I was not sure I would have had sufficient faith to keep company with those faithful saints. In his usual optimistic response, President Hinckley said, Sure you would, Don. And then he made his real point with me as he reminded me that some of the most faithful saints faltered, lost faith, and fell by the wayside. His response strongly suggests that our testimonies are vulnerable if we do not stay on course in keeping God's commandments. President Eclui frequently encourages us to have the kind of faith that moves us to get on our knees and plead with the Lord and then get on our feet and go to work. This is sound advice for every one of us. As we follow his counsel, our testimonies and our commitments to make right choices will grow. As I reflect on my youth and the initial development of my testimony, nothing had a greater impact on its developments than the faith of my mother and father in their daily application of that faith in their prayers. The Lord responded to their faith and prayers, and as we children witnessed the hand of the Lord in our family, we came to know the meaning of what Moroni meant when he said, I would show unto you the world that faith is things which are hoped for and not seen. Wherefore, dispute not because you see not, for you receive no witness until after the trial of your faith. The faith of our family was tried time and again, and periodically special spiritual experiences too tender to tell followed. I bear testimony that the Lord does hear and answer prayers, prayers from the hearts of His faithful children.
As your lives become crowded with other activities, it's easy to periodically skip a prayer or to use an abbreviated version of your prayers. Don't shortchange the Lord on your prayers. Nothing you will do during any day of your life will be more important to your temporal success or your eternal progress than consistent, humble, sincere prayers offered at least morning and night of every day. As I visited with my young friend from West Point, it became clear that his faith had wavered and the consistency and sincerity of his prayers had waned. The joshing of his peers and the seeming attractiveness of Satan's alternatives had begun to overshadow his commitment to exercise his faith in prayers. Equally important in our pursuit of happiness and a secure testimony is the daily habit of reading and pondering the scriptures. The reading and study habits you are forming in your religion classes will have lasting impact on your personal commitment to the scriptures. The busier life becomes, however, the more difficult it is to stay connected to this important part of our spiritual growth. Yet making the scriptures a part of your daily life is another foundation stone of your testimony. As King Benjamin sternly admonished his people, if you believe all these things, see that you do them. Living to be worthy of the Spirit and then responding to His promptings is an essential ingredient to a strong and vibrant testimony. To be worthy of the Spirit embodies the bottom line of obedient living. To truly accomplish this is the quest of a lifetime. Nephi's early example of obedience has been taught to each of us from our youth. Likewise, we know how Laman and Lemuel developed into the murmurs of the family. They played the role of the natural man that King Benjamin described. Conversely, Nephi made his commitment to the Lord early on when he said, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded. And then he did with unwavering faith. The important point is that Nephi made the decision as to how he was going to respond to the Lord's commandments. From that point forward, he was steadfast. I suspect Satan worked on him just as he does each of us today. And yet the scriptures indicate that Satan was totally unsuccessful in impacting Nephi's decision to do the will of the Lord. The prototype of Lehi's family has played out through the centuries. The world is replete with the Lamans and Lemuels. They are some of Satan's best students. Great blessings come to those who follow Nephi's example. Understanding and responding to the principle of obedience has been a singular importance in preparing us for success and eternal happiness. As the Lord promised Joshua, He will not fail you or forsake you as long as you are striving daily to obey His commandments. As you progress through your education here at BYU, you have some electives or choices in what you pursue in your education. You also have some required subjects. The same is true of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It gives us ample freedom of choices and free agency, but the ultimate success of these choices depends upon our diligence in keeping the commandments and covenants we have made with the Lord. As you pursue your educational goals, it is essential that you keep focused on your spiritual commitments. The challenge with most of us is the tendency to become casual or lose focus on those non-negotiable or non-compromising commandments from which promised blessings flow. Let me give you an example. When Sister Staley and I left Utah en route to the University of Illinois, with everything we contained in our little car, we were excited about embarking upon a new adventure. We tried to be diligent in keeping the commandments we had made in the temple as 
part of our marriage about one year earlier. As we became fully engaged in our new life as a happily married but financially struggling couple, we lost focus on one important, in fact essential, commandment of the gospel. As we approached the end of the year and the tithing settlement, we had not only slipped on pain or tithing, but we were literally without food or money for the last week of the year. As we sheepishly and humbly approached our branch president at tithing settlement, he taught us an important lesson in financial management. But more importantly, he gave us a phenomenal promise. He promised that if we would make up the tithing owed to the Lord and then faithfully pay it each month before we addressed our other needs and wants, the Lord would bless us as promised. In fact, He promised us that as future faithful tithe-payers, we would have an increase in income each year thereafter. Think of that, my brothers and sisters. That came true, and that stayed so until I was called for volunteer service as a 70. The Lord truly did open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings to us. My wife and I have been raised in faithful tithe-paying parents. We've been full tithe-payers throughout our youthful years. And yet this came as a poignant lesson of how becoming casual on important principles can cause one to lose focus on what is really essential to the Lord. Satan works constantly on this principle of blurring our focus relating to gospel principles. He seductively encourages our casualness by helping us feel secure that this won't matter or that won't taint my mind. And this is especially true as he casually leads young people down the slippery slope of immorality. I believe Satan has a dominant influence on the media, television, the movies, and the Internet. Each becomes seductive in its own way. As young adults, you may feel you can handle the sexually explicit programs on television without impacting your spiritual well-being. Even more pernicious are the R-rated movies that carry you into the more explicit. It is clear that frequent exposure tends to legitimize that which we see and hear. It dulls our sense of conscience between the acceptable and the unacceptable. It's Satan's way of leading you down the slippery slope toward immoral thoughts and actions. As those parts of the Internet that move you into pornography serve as the devil's trump card, it only takes a few viewings of pornography and he has you hooked. And then he begins to work his magic because what you have seen and heard becomes paramount in your thought processes. And the more you see, the more addicted you become. You young people, especially you young men, have become Satan's target audience. It is his way of leading you into the abyss of immorality. Let me hasten to add that you married students are also not immune to Satan's attractions. Pornography can become one of the most destructive elements of your marriage. We plead with any of you who are in any way involved in pornography to see your bishop so that he can help you find your way out of the cesspool of filth that is designed to destroy you. Be careful. Be careful that you don't let Satan use his influence to control your thoughts and actions and ultimately your future. As you are able to recognize and overcome any personal irritants you may have toward certain principles of obedience, you will feel God's endowing you with the power and the spirit to resist the inappropriate things of the world that Satan would have you enjoy. When we are able to declare, as the people did to King Benjamin, 
that there's been a mighty change in our hearts, that we have no more disposition to do evil but to do good continually, then we will be well on the road to success and eternal happiness. The companionship of the Spirit and the strength of your testimonies will depend on your daily nurturing of faith, prayer, scripture, study, and obedience to the commandments. As you do so, you will be moving toward achieving the spiritual and temporal blessings the Lord has in store for you. You will realize the blessings promised to Joshua, quote, For then thou shalt make the way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. End of quote. The Lord wants each of you to find joy and happiness and success in your professional and family and vocational pursuits. But He wants you to do it in a way that your ambitions for success do not supersede your priority for living gospel principles. President Thomas S. Monson painted the picture as follows, quote, We have been provided divine attributes to guide our journey. We enter mortality not to float with the moving currents of life, but with the power to think, to reason, and to achieve. These are the keys and the years when you must take responsibility for who you are and what you want to become. Think carefully, my brothers and sisters, about where you are. Remember, education is the key to the door of opportunity. The Savior's parables of the talents is so applicable to you at this stage in your lives. Jesus knows there are differences between you intellectually, emotionally, and physically. Therefore, He only expects you to magnify and develop whatever talents and abilities you have. But He expects you to be accountable for your actions in so doing. He will not measure your progress against others. He does not grade on the curve. Rather, He blesses you for what you are doing to magnify whatever gifts and talents you have been given. At all cost, do not allow yourself to, quote, float with the moving currents of life, as President Monson has counseled. Take control of your actions and prepare to succeed at whatever you are capable of doing. Remember President Hinckley's counsel, just do your best. Just do the best you can, but be sure it's your very best. This is also a time in your life when counsel from others can help you decide what you should be doing that will move you toward achieving your full potential. It is the wise counseling and mentoring of a few special teachers and priesthood leaders, parents, and a loving wife that helped me make some course corrections in preparation for what has turned out to be a wonderfully challenging and happy pursuit of life. As you recall, the Lord counseled Joshua to be strong and of good courage as he took on his new responsibilities. That same counsel applies to you as you prepare to pursue careers that will take you to different parts of the world. Periodically, you will be placed in a situation that will require you to be strong and of good courage in order to stay true and faithful to gospel principles. As President McKay has said, the one responsibility that one cannot evade is your personal influence. Worldly standards will always be in a state of flux. The only true and unchanging standards are those that are set by the Savior and His teachings and principles of the restored gospel. My wife and I have lived all of our married life in the mission field. We have traveled the world as part of our business career. In the earlier years of our career, to live by LDS standards was an oddity and not a generally accepted one either. Yet, with a few exceptions, once people understood our principles and standards and our desire to stay true to them, they respected us for them. 
As you have the courage to be true to your beliefs, your exemplary conduct will not go unnoticed. And while you will be tried and tested, your faithful adherence to the Lord's standards will be seen as a beacon in the night to those around you. I could recite dozens of examples of my personal experiences on this subject, but let me conclude with a reference to President Hinckley. President Hinckley is an impeccable example of courageous leadership. He is steadfast and true to principle and courageously forthright in his convictions. Yet, with unwavering courage, he has the ability to express his commitments to the gospel principles in clear but acceptable terms to those not of our faith. Hopefully, this will help you be strong and of good courage when pushed to compromise your standards of the Church. You will be respected for it. And if occasionally you are not, you need not worry, because that is not the kind of association you will want or need in your future. As the finest generation this Church has produced, much is expected of you, and we have confidence you will live up to those expectations. I bear testimony, brothers and sisters, of the divinity of Heavenly Father's plan for each of you. Jesus is truly our Savior, and He very much loves and cares for each of you. As you keep His commandments and follow the counsel of the prophets and your leaders, He will be there to guide you through the challenges that lie ahead. He will not fail thee or forsake thee. May His choicest blessings be with each of you. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Join us every weekday for a half hour of inspiration and spiritual focus. Today's theme was courage. Donald L. Staley gave his talk entitled, Be Strong and of Good Courage. Speeches on Finding Center are often edited for broadcast. Find links to the full talks and access the rest of our Finding Center episodes on the free BYU Radio app, available wherever you get your apps. Finding Center is a production of BYU Broadcasting.